Ask Christian Questions. Nelson Mandela once said, If you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to him in his language, that goes to his heart. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose. With Jonathan and Rick, this isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.net. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we are glad you have chosen to spend some time with us. And Jonathan, what is our topic on this fine Sunday morning? Well, Rick, our question is, should Christianity be an emotional experience? Of course it should. (laughs) And our theme text is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You might be wondering, how can you talk about that for two hours? Well, just wait. (laughs) There are many different approaches to Christian faith. Some of us find the basis of our faith in feeling Jesus present in our lives. Others of us find the basis of our faith in intellectual understanding and reasoning through the scriptures. Still others of us thrive on the fellowship of our brothers and sisters in Christ as the signature of our faith. Each would argue that their approach to faith is strong and sustaining. So what does true Christianity really want from us? Are we supposed to always be excited, spiritually charged up and energized? Or are we supposed to have a quiet and firm faith that might be characterized as strong and silent? Ooh, all good questions. (laughs) So, again, the the, the main question, should Christianity be an emotional experience? And, Jonathan, we're going to talk about what makes people tick this morning. Yes, we are. And it's it's quite eye-opening, isn't it? It it is. It's fascinating, (laughs) fascinating stuff. And we're going to use a basis for our conversation this morning, uh, something... uh, Way back, I'm dating myself here, but way back in in the 90s, late 90s, I attended a communication and business development seminar by a gentleman uh, by the name of Jim Hoyt, H-O-Y-T. The seminar was called Release Your Breaks. Now, his premise was that people are different and fall into four basic categories of their approach to life or combinations of these four basic categories. He made it simple, and it stuck with me, and that's why we're talking about it, oh, I don't know, 15 years later. (laughs) He made it real simple. He used the acronym STAR, S-T-A-R, as a way to remember these personality types. So, folks, as we go through this and describe these different personality types, I want you to sort of sit back and, and, and listen and think, okay, what applies to me? And when I say me, I don't mean me, me. I mean you, me. <laughs> Not what applies to Rick. We already know. Rick's already in trouble on this. Trust me. Uh, and um, what is it that, that makes me tick? Because when you understand it, then it's much easier to see what your strengths are and also what your weaknesses are. Yeah. And yeah. then we look at it from the standpoint of, okay, what does Christianity want, Christianity want from us and how does what makes me tick fit into that mold? Because here's the here's the challenge, Jonathan. Oftentimes we try to make Christianity fit into the mold of our lives. Yes, you're right. When in fact we ought to be making our lives fit into the mold of Christianity. 
I like it. Chew on that one for a while. <laughs> All right. So um, what I did, and these are these next four statements are my own statements, sort of interpreting what Mr. Hoyt said, and then we're going to read some very short paragraphs and discuss these four basic personality types. But the S-T-A-R, we're going to start with S. S stands for stability. And so, Jonathan, there's just a bullet point for stability. I read, study, and absorb the message of the gospel. Okay, and that, that's just, again, it's a basic introduction. The T in STAR, the STAR acronym, stands for theory. I analyze, compare, and contrast the hidden details of the gospel. Okay, so you see there's a little bit of a difference there. Oh, yeah. Okay, the A in the word STAR, the acronym STAR, stands for action. I observe emulate, and live the examples of the gospel. Okay, so you'd see in those first two, there's much more of a an intellectual approach, and here it's I emulate, I live the examples of the gospel, and the R in the word STAR, the acronym, is for relationship. I follow Jesus and am energized by the love and inclusiveness of the gospel. Okay, so we essentially have four different basic approaches to, to life, and let me say this. Just because you are primarily one thing doesn't mean you can't be parts of the others. That's right. So, and, and, and obviously, as we go through this, I'm going to ask you what you think you are. Mm-hmm. No, who do you think you are? <laughs> and uh, It's not good. <laughs> I've got trouble. <laughs> and, and, and then, what we, again, we want to put this to, to a scriptural backdrop so we can understand what does the gospel want from us and how should we be working in, in tune with the gospel. So, we're going to read, um, and these, these are very short um, shortened paragraphs from, from some of that seminar that I attended. Right. Uh, and uh, on Secret Rewind, the full edition. Which you really need for, for a program like this, Rick. A lot of details. Yeah, and, and the bonus material is going to have a much further expanded explanation of these four basic characteristics. So stability. What is a stability-oriented person? How do they look at life? We must be dependable in our responsibilities and duties. We tend to see things black and white. Trust and value our roots and proven authority, and expect everyone to follow the guidelines, using the past as a guide into the future. Belonging is important to us, and we enjoy organization, concrete facts, details, and the proven reliability of a track record. So stability sounds kind of like having all your ducks in a row. Yes. You just like to have, be organized, and, and you like uh, guidelines, and you like the, the background. And, be dependable. And roots, and, mm-hmm. and, and track record, and, yeah. and all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. All right? T for theory. What is a theory-oriented person based on? Knowledge, learning, and competence are of paramount importance. We tend to trust logic and reason above all, map out strategies for our own growth, and resolve conflicts logically and reasonably, avoiding emotionalism. We desire willpower, are precise in our speech, and focus on long-term results. We love opportunities to learn, efficiency of communication, and new insights to solve complex problems. So you can see that there is a very cerebral approach behind that theory-oriented individual. Yes. They're a a thinking machine. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they are. So stability is very much, you know, have your ducks in a row. Theory-oriented is is really intellectual in, in, in their primary approach. Now, again, folks, just because you have some of one thing doesn't mean you can't have the others. Right. But what primarily drives you? That's what we want to get to. We want to try to determine. A in the acronym STAR is for action. 
We love beauty, variety, and choices. We seek freedom to act, to make an impact, and to live with excitement and passion. We tend to recognize opportunity and sometimes, in our optimism, proceed on blind faith. I know somebody who does that. Who? No, I'll tell you later. <laughs> we don't like to wait. Learn best through hands-on experience. We'll try to find better ways to do things, and we'll take risks to get things done. We like opportunities with concrete examples, not theories. All right, so you can see that sometimes a theory-oriented person, an action-oriented person, may not get along quite so well. Or may not understand each yeah, other yeah. that well. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're really approaching life from two incredibly different places. Exactly. And, and that's the point. We as Christians approach life from where we approach it from. There's nothing wrong with that. But the question is, is that the way we should stay or should we seek to round ourselves out more fully by bringing some other things, other other approaches, other things into our lives? Folks, if you have a thought, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you think you might be. Uh, 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.net, no matter the day or time. And it, this is this is this is going to be a fun morning as we go through this because it really helps to understand what makes me tick. And when you hear the kinds of things that make us go, it really helps us to understand what we are strong in. And you mm-hmm. need to know what your strengths are. That's right. But you also need to know what your weaknesses are. We do. Yeah. <laughs> So the R from the STAR acronym stands, uh, again, for relationship. We value harmony. Morality and personal growth are very potential-oriented. Willingly show appreciation and seek deeper meanings than material possessions can show. We need people's interaction, are on a quest for our own spirituality as well as that of others, and are enthusiastic and intense. Developing people's potential, new ideas, involvement, cooperation, the meaning of life, and ideals drive us. Okay, so again, you can see that there's, these are four very different ways of approaching of approaching life. Obviously, the relationship-oriented person is more more focused on the people around them. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example, and I got this example from the seminar. I'm amazed at how much I remember from the seminar wow, so many years ago. ago. And, and it made a real impact on me, and it really helped me to understand myself and as I deal with people to kind of figure out, okay, this person thinks this way or, or is oriented this way as they approach life. Therefore, I need to try to identify with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's an example to, to kind of figure out who you are. You're all together, and you're all getting ready to go out on a hike. Okay? So you're going to have to go drive to a little place. You're going to go spend a few hours hiking. Here's what's going to happen. The stability-oriented person is going to say, okay, what time is it? Uh, how long is it going to be for us to get there? How much time will we have to hike? Do I have the right jacket? Do I have the right shoes? They're going to they're just you know, make sure all their ducks are in a row. Mm-hmm. The theory-oriented person is going to be thinking, huh, going on a hike. I wonder what kind of ferns are going to be alongside of the, the, the pathway. What kind of, what, what kind of, of foliage are we going to see? What, 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 what's out there that I can look at and appreciate? The action-oriented person, you said you're going on a hike. They're already in the car. <clears throat> they didn't go to the bathroom. <laughs> they forgot their boots. <laughs> and they didn't bring a jacket. Okay, it's like, okay, let's go. You know, like a little puppy dog. <laughs> you know, just, just all excited about going. This is going to be cool. I can't wait to get up there and look over the edge and see how close I can get. You know, that's the action-oriented person. And the relationship-oriented person simply says, well, who else is going? <laughs> 
So, you know, that's the kind of the way we look at at life. And it's interesting because there's so many of us that fit into so many of these different things. And, Jonathan, in the next segment, we'll talk a little bit about how you and I think we fit into these things. All right. But here's a scripture that we're going to touch on in this segment and come back to a little bit later. I think is really important in helping us put this all in perspective. Mark 12, uh, 28 to 31. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, see, the interesting thing about that scripture, Jonathan, and we're going to find a lot of these interesting things as we go through, uh, is that it talks about loving the Lord your God four different ways. Your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And this star thing has four different uh, approaches. Could it be coincidence, or could there be more to it? And that's the thing that's so fascinating about a subject like this to me. Once you sort of label things, Mm -hmm. and then you look into the scriptures, what you find is, if the labels really are good and legitimate, you're going to find the scriptures supporting that. So really what we want to do is is go on kind of go on this 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 treasure hunt if it's you a will. Quest. It is <laughs> to, to find out a what drives me as a Christian and then b how does that fit with what Christianity is looking for and demanding of me as an individual. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should Christianity be an emotional experience? God is made of justice, wisdom, power and love. Shouldn't that harmonize with our human personality types? We are made in his image, aren't we? Aren't we? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should Christianity be an emotional experience? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, to me, this is one of those fascinating subjects that you got to look at every so often and give you a sense of, of where you are in life and how you're approaching life and so forth. And, and, and people are so very different. Let, let me give you a quick example. All right. Facebook. Now, Christian Questions has a Facebook page. We'd love for you to go there and, and, and like us and all of that stuff. For some people, Facebook makes absolutely no sense. And others, it's like their life. That's a relationship-oriented person that is, is, is trying to, is, is thriving on the give and take of something like Facebook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those examples in, in, in life the, the way we see it. So, you know, you had mentioned at the end of the last segment, being created in God's image, should that have something to do with the attributes of God and the attributes of humanity? Let's go to a soundbite first to sort of mix up the issue here a little All bit. All right. This is from a psychologist. Her name is Valerie Tarico, and she is talking about, and we'll be going back to her throughout the program, talking about the born-again Christian experience and what it is psychologically, not spiritually necessarily, but psychologically. For many Christians, being born again is unlike anything they have ever known. A sense of personal conviction, yielding, or release, followed by indescribable peace and joy. 
This is the stuff of spiritual transformation. Once experienced, it is unforgettable, and many people can recall small details years later. Listen to these descriptions. I prayed harder, and then I felt like everything I was saying was being sucked into a vacuum. When I stood up, I felt like thin air. I had to brace myself. I felt this energy. It was a kind of ecstasy. From a woman named Kathy. And she goes on to give a few other explanations, and they're all very um, almost mysterious like that. You know, this this strange experience that is not an out-of-body experience, but just not normal. Mm-hmm. Not the, the normal thing you go through each and every day. So, you know, the question is, as we go through this, how, how do we get closer to God, uh, and what does Christianity want from us, and is the way I approach life in line with what Christianity is asking me for? Let's do one scripture, Jonathan, and then I'm going to ask you about who you think you are. <laughs> draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So, interesting that, you know, it's talking, there, there's several things in that. It's drawing near, there's some action involved, cleansing your hands, being a sinner, the acknowledgement of sinner, the thinking through and the, and the understanding, purify your hearts, and then talk about double-minded. So you're putting f- essentially four different things into this one little scripture here. Right, right. A- and it does kind of fit along with what we're saying. So, folks, if you have a thought, uh, we're talking about who do you think you are in terms of Christianity? Is Christianity, should it be primarily an emotional experience or primarily an intellectual experience? What do you think? 866-985-4255, toll-free 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.net. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Jonathan, as we look at these things, what do you think, S, stability, theory, action, relationship, what, what, what are you made of primarily? Well, primarily, uh, the number one, I would say, is action. But it's amazing how we're a part of a lot of, all of these, mm-hmm. but in various ways. Um, a very close second is relationship. Okay. So I'm like a pirate. R. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And it's interesting because the action, you know, I was laughing as you were reading it. You know, sometimes you do things without thinking yes. first. And, uh-huh. and boy, yeah. boy, does that that's fit. Me. It does fit you to a T. It just, just does. Not to a T because that's theory. And there's no theory in you whatsoever. Oh, hey. <laughs> Maybe just a tad. It's just, it's just not the way you approach. Right. Right. That, that like, is the last. Exactly. I'd go with number three, stability, then number four, theory. Absolutely. And, and again, folks, we're probably bits and pieces of all of them, but what primarily drives you? That's kind of what we want to get to here. So let's look at the four attributes of God. You know, we, we've been told through the scriptures that God is just, uh, wise, powerful, and loving. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go through those and see if, in fact, these four approaches to life actually fit. God is just, and that really does fit with the stability approach. It really does. Because it's order, Rules and strong direction, ducks in a row, justice. Psalms 89, 13, and 14. Thou hast a mighty arm, strong is thy hand, and high is thy right hand. Justice and judgments are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. So justice is the habitation. That, that's where God lives in, in, in this basis of justice, mm-hmm. this basis of stability, having rules, having direction, having it. The, this is the way, this is the direction, and you need to follow that. And, right. and, and especially when you see the Old Testament, you see that part of God really... It comes out shining through, it, yeah. It absolutely does. 
Okay, so God, wisdom, God is wise. And that goes along with the theory, doesn't it? Because it's knowledge, understanding, you know, prophecy is taking what has been and looking forward to what will be. There's a lot of analyzing and, and deep, deep understanding, and the theory-oriented individual really does follow along with that. First uh, Corinthians 1, 19 to 21. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So it talks about the wisdom of the world in relation to the wisdom of God and how the wisdom of the world is in fact foolishness in the eyes of God. And and again, when you think about how smart we think we are, it just it, it amazes me as as it, and I often visualize and this is just imagination visualize God chuckling uh, in heaven saying <laughs> look what they're doing now it's just like a five year old pretending that you know he's king of the hill and right. it's cute <laughs> and you know they're they're, they're we're, we're doing it as best as we can but you're only a five year old you have so much more to grow into. And God has that sense of deep knowledge, deep understanding, and understanding not only the past and the present, but the future as well. You're listening to Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. If you have a thought on our subject, which is, should Christianity be an emotional experience, give us a call at 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, as we continue uh, with this subject, uh, we want to get first get those last two attributes, and then we'll we'll diverge a little bit. You know, we, we've talked about God is just, God is wise, so God is stable. God has that theory-oriented knowledge, deep understanding approach. God is also powerful. That sounds like action. It to absolutely me. does. He knows, and then and he does. I mean, action-oriented person is not sitting back and just collecting information. Action-oriented person is, is, is jumping to the forefront of things. And God is absolutely a doer. Psalm 8.3 When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. And it, when that scripture talks about the heavens as the work of his fingers, it just... You know, the work of your fingers is, a, is like a small, delicate, fine work. And yet when you look in the heavens and you see how expansive it, the, the heavens are, you say, wow. Exactly. There's a doer up there. I was looking at the stars this morning before uh, getting ready for the program. It was early this morning, by the way, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> how was that getting up an hour early? Well, remember when we used to be on from 6 to 8, and we Whew. did that every week. And, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's getting up essentially at 3.40 in the morning for me. And I'm glad we do 7 to 9 now. I'll tell you that. I will tell you that. But, action, but you know, it's that action-oriented uh, thinking that gets you out of bed. Yes, it is. When you just got to get up and run and go do something. And the last, re- the last um, uh, attribute of God is God is love. and That's we, relationship, isn't it? It absolutely is. And in 1 John 4.16, that just plainly makes that statement. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He, it, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. So it's interesting, because now in the New Testament you have this blatant statement that God is love. Right. In the Old Testament you have the statement, the justice and judgment are the habitation of God's throne. 
Well, if God is love and justice and judgment are the habitation of his throne, what does that mean? What does that mean for the God that we serve? And more importantly, for us practically, what does that mean for me to be able to to fulfill what Christianity demands of me personally? Well, Rick, they have to work together, and they can't violate each other. It's there's, right. it's got to be perfect. And so, and th- there's a problem when you say it's got to be perfect, and here we are, imperfect human beings. We're going, oh man, this is not going to be good. And you know, for me, when I look at the S T A R, what am I? All right, let's hear it. And I think I am primarily a very close mix between an action-oriented person and a stability-oriented person. Uh, those are the two I think that really run out in front. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the interesting things, though, is because uh, I really like to have my ducks in a row. Right. I like to know what to expect, but also I'm—I'll be the first one to jump jump when we went zip lining. <laughs> you jumped right off. I yeah. was like, oh, let me go. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go over to the edge of the platform and look down, and you know, you're you're up at the treetops and all that. Incidentally, in, in Seek Your Rewind, uh, the, the the full edition from last week the program on guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. We got some great responses from, from, from listeners on that program. Great responses. You should see the rewind. There's just, it just helps to understand guilt and shame and, and the part that they should play in our lives and the parts that they shouldn't play in our lives. And in that full edition, which you sign up for at ChristianQuestions.net or ChristianQuestions.com, in that full edition, there's a whole section of, of our zip lining experience. Oh boy! Jumping off the platform, I check and that out today. Flying through the air and all that kind of stuff—just a cool thing. So it's exclusively available at ChristianQuestions.net. Seeker Rewind. Sign up for the full edition. It is a free service. It is easy to 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 uh, sign up for, and it just helps to get what we're trying to say uh, become practical in your life. So your stability in action. Yeah, and I have developed a lot of theory. In, in my in, in in the last several years, doing the radio program has, has really developed that in me. So that that's that's good for all all of the listeners here that we can change and tweak who we are uh, as we grow. And that's the point: is to grow into things that maybe are not as natural for you. I will tell you that I am not a relationship oriented person, <laughs> and, and people look at me and say, "No, that's not true." Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> Funny uh, because I'm number one action. Um, on our honeymoon in Mexico, my wife wanted to go parasailing, but I wasn't that thrilled to be number one to go first, but I had to try it first to protect her to make sure it was okay, but I did not want to jump off. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> I, oh, I was, see, now I would have been like, oh. Well, well here are these guys <laughs> on the beach, and you know, you're know they're running with you, and they let you go, and you sail up into the air, and their boat takes off, and it's like, I was a little nervous about that one, but my wife's like, oh, we got to do this. <laughs> Okay, honey. <laughs> so, not always, actually. Okay, all right, all right. There you found, found, a, found a little bit of a limit there. Yep. Now, now, as we go back through this and, and we try to, to understand, again, what does Christianity want from us? And really, in the next segment, we're going to get into that in a lot, lot more deeply. Let's go back to that scripture. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yes. And your neighbor as yourself. Remember, God is justice, wisdom, power, and love. Well, why is it that we have these four different ways that we're supposed to love God? Could it be that they are part of this whole uh, this whole puzzle of what makes us tick? Now, remember, um, love is not an adjective. It's a verb. Yes. Love is something that we do. It's not something that we feel. 
Okay. Okay. And that's the important thing. That's the kind of love we're talking about. So when it says, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Let's start with soul because we're going to go in the S-T-A-R order. Soul does stand for stability. With, with, all, with all of the fiber of your being and what makes you, you. Matthew 6.25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat? And the body then raiment. Now, as we talk about this, Jonathan, it's talking about how all these different ways to love God. And in that soundbite that we listened to earlier, it was talking about the born-again experience that many people have. Mm-hmm. I won't say everybody has. Right. And, and I think as we go through this program and we discuss that born-again type of experience, I'm going to phrase it that way, that type of experience, what we're going to find is that is a very emotional, very relationship-oriented thing because you have this sense and this feeling towards God. Mm -hmm. And the question is, is that what drives our Christianity? Or are there other things that are supposed to drive our Christianity? For some of us, as we listen to this program, this might be a little frustrating and a little disappointing, I think, because what we're going to find out is there's a lot of work involved here. Yes. Theory. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. That's the theory-oriented individual. Just very quickly, just just that one small part of Mark 4.11. To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, get everything in parables. So, again, if you have been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, and it needs to be uncovered, it needs to be understood, it needs to be uh, uh, dissected and taken apart, that theory-oriented individual is going to dive right into that because that's what they are. Mm -hmm. They want to know the internal workings of the clock of God's plan. And so, in this, we've only talked about two, we'll get to the next two in the next segment, but the way we're supposed to love God, it does fit with these four different personality types, stability, theory, action, and relationship. This is a fascinating way to understand ourselves. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should Christianity be an emotional experience? You would think the New Testament shows the most important personality type. Well, does it? Which is it? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should Christianity be an emotional experience? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com or .net. And, Jonathan, as we go through this, this to me is just one of those fascinating things that you look at and say, wow, this helps me understand where I am, but really helps me understand where I need to go. And the idea is we need to develop ourselves in line with what Christianity is looking for from us, not develop Christianity in line with what I already am. Well, this is the way I am. God's going to have to accept me the way I am. Eh. God draws you the way you are, but he expects you to change. The question is how. So as we go through that scripture, uh, and again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. As we go through that scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Strength, we equate actually to, to action, action okay? yes. because it's strength to do things. Matthew six thirty three and 34. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, see, that's one of my favorite scriptures because it says, seek first his kingdom. Get after his kingdom. Go find it. Go do something. And I love that. I, yes. That, that, that just that, that, that wells up inside of me, that sense of, of doing something significant to honor and praise God. I, Absolutely. I just... I, 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 I live on that scripture day by day by day because you still have to make a living. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to seek the kingdom. And how do you put those two together? It's a hard thing, but the action helps us to do that. That's how we love the Lord our God. You can tell I'm an action-oriented person. You, because you go do it. You go find it. You go pursue it. And finally, relationship with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Matthew 5.8 and Matthew 6.21. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So a lot of scriptures talk about heart and and how heart works in in, in relation to all of this. I want to diverge to another soundbite from another individual, Greg Brandon. Uh, He's talking about the energy centers in the body. And this is fascinating as we look at it from the standpoint of understanding this acronym STAR. So if we think of a, of a chart, if you look at the ancient charts of the energy centers in our bodies, the chakra centers, if you will, what we see is the lower three energy centers of our bodies, they are closely associated with what we call the power of human emotion. And the ancients said we're capable of only two primary emotions. They said we're capable of the emotion of love and whatever we believe the opposite of love really is. Whether we think of that as fear or hate, uh, and when you get really deep into the traditions, what we find is, is there are actually both polarities of the same force. So in those lower centers, the power of emotion, uh, we have two primary experiences, love and whatever we believe the opposite of love really is. So he's talking about these chakras. Now, okay, what's a chakra? Incidentally, that's not a scriptural term. <laughs> okay. okay, But he's saying that there's energy centers within the human body. There's four of them, and the lower three all have to do with the power of emotion, and the upper one has to do with the power of intellect. Oh, isn't that interesting? So it seems like it's in balance. So that, that kind of says, okay, well, then the heart must be the most important thing. Well, is the heart the most important thing? That's the question, and we really want to get into that. Let's look at We've got to answer that question, Jonathan, as clearly as we can, and then we'll expand it in the next hour. And, folks, if we're not on in the next hour in your area, go to ChristianQuestions.com, ChristianQuestions.net. Click on the Listen Live button and follow with us online. You don't want to miss the rest of this conversation. We're going to find out uh, what, what drives Fred if we have, in the STAR. He's our board guy. I'm going to ask my wife, Trish, to come in here and tell us you know, what drives her and try to put all of this in, into, into a better, bigger and better perspective. But, Jonathan, I think one of the scriptures that answers the question, what's the most important? Romans 12, 1 and 2, and then we'll go to the phones. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All right. And that scripture is loaded with what I think is the key answer to which is the most important thing. But before right. we go there, let's go to the phones. <laughs> All right. We have Jason from Tennessee. Good morning, Jason, and welcome to Christian Questions. Hello. Hey. I'm uh, not picking you up very well. Okay. I think that's a, a little better. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. 
Well, if you're talking about emotions and, and, and heart and mind and all of those things in relation to God, and uh, we look at, uh, we're looking at a scripture this morning, and it's Jesus where he's uh, blessing the children. Okay. And uh, Jesus, he is uh, loving and wrapping his arms around the children, and the disciples get mad, and they basically send the children away. And then it says that Jesus became highly perturbed. Jesus became angry. That's the fact that they uh, sent the children away and weren't allowing the children to come to him. So how do we, you know, when we talk about emotions and rationalization and art and all of that, how do we uh, as Christians look at anger? Because a lot of times we're taught that anger is bad or anger is wrong. So I will uh, leave that with you. That's a great question, Jason. Thanks for asking, and we will comment on that uh, immediately. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Take care. Good question. Because, see, what, what happens here is, is sometimes we see the anger thing and we say, yeah, he's right. We say, oh, anger's bad. Anger's not bad. You have righteous indignation. When, when Jesus turned the te- tables over in the temple, mm-hmm. he was angry. No question about it. Yes. You, you've taken my father's house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of thieves. Out of here. He, I mean, he threw them out. So there was anger. And that's part of the action that that was part of Jesus' character to uphold the the sanctity of godliness. When he was angry at the disciples, he was saying, you're missing the point. You have to become like these little children. You have to have that sincerity, that willingness to learn, that desire to be connected. So anger is a good and important thing as long as it is for the right reasons and as long as it is expressed in a way that is not harmful. Anger is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And, of course, the scripture also says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. That's so, right. So it has to be controlled. You know, blind anger, forget about it. That, there, there's, there's no place it's for something like that. Right, right. So, uh, Jason, thanks again for the call. Thanks again for the question. And, yes, to be angry is, I think, a good action-oriented thing. Not that I get angry a lot, because I really don't. But the, the idea is to put things in the right perspective. So Romans 12, 1 and 2 um, it's talking about presenting ourselves as a, as, a, as a reasonable sacrifice to God, as a sacrifice unto God, a living sacrifice, which is a reasonable service. Let's answer that, Jonathan. But first, let's go back to Valerie Tarico. She's the psychologist talking about uh, the born again type of experience. Now, listen carefully to this because this is very revealing. She listed. Remember, in the first soundbite, she talked about a, a person who was born again and, and what happened. Yes. And she listed several other born-again type experiences. Now she's comparing them. This experience, more than any other, creates a sense of certainty about Christian belief and so makes belief impervious to rational argumentation. A believer knows what he or she has experienced. Evangelical and Pentecostal forms of Christianity that are gaining ground around the world particularly emphasize emotional peaks, such as faith healing or speaking in tongues. Worshippers may get caught up in exuberant singing, shouting, dancing, and tears of joy. What most Christians don't know is that these experiences are not unique to Christianity. So that last statement is what most Christians don't know, is that these kinds of experiences don't just happen in Christianity, they happen in all kinds of cultures and all parts of the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when we say, well, I've had this experience, therefore I know, don't talk to me because I know what I experienced, you can have that same exact thing in all different cultures that have nothing to do with God, nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with salvation. So what do you do with that? 
And I think the answer is you apply whatever your experiences are to scriptural basis. Theory. <laughs> well, there it is. And, and I think that in that Roman scripture, Romans 12, 1 and 2, beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think that is the absolute key to this thing. So in that verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2, you have all four of these things. Again, you have all four of things, these things. Relationship, by the mercies of God and being holy and acceptable to God. Just touch on Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Okay, so by the mercies of God, uh, having that sense of, of community, if you will. And then Second uh, Corinthians 5, 9. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. So you have that relationship approach that's expressed by the mercies of God, holy and acceptable to God, in, in our relationship with one another and in our relationship with God. That is a, that is a, uh, a linchpin, a, not the, but a linchpin. Action, present your body a living sacrifice. Right, right. Philippians one twenty two. for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So... You have to present yourself as a sacrifice. You are doing something. Stability, which is your reasonable service. And I love that because it's reasonable. It makes sense. It's logical. That's what the word uh, means. First uh, Peter 2.2. 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Desi- desire the sincere. And it's, the word really does mean the sincere logic of the word. Ah, interesting. It, it's, I think the word is the Greek word is like logikos or something like that. It just it's very very uh, fascinating that you desire the sincere basis of understanding and then theory. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think Jonathan, this is the key. And most of us are not theory oriented. No, no. But this I think is absolutely the key. Um, we won't take time to read the scriptures because we're running out of time. and want to get to a call quickly here. But Jonathan, before we get to this call, understand. That our transformation as Christians comes from the renewing of our mind, not the renewing of our heart. Ooh, interesting. So what do you do with that? Well, that's the subject of the second hour. Let's go to the phones real quick here, Jonathan. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. And gentlemen, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. Uh, should Christianity be an emotional experience? Yes and no. Uh, whatever it takes to affect a transformation. So you took my scripture, Romans 12, 2. Well, okay. You see how great minds think alike? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, in this transformation, uh, unfortunately, fear is a constant uh, uh, enemy and potential hindrance to spiritual progress. Fear can be uh, an mm-hmm. enemy. Uh, I like uh, Philippians, within that Philippians chapter 4, I think it's so beautiful, so meaningful. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we can be a star through Christ. Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. It's interesting. We can be a star through Christ, S-T-A-R. Well, think about it, though. In, in, the, in the promise to Abraham, he will multiply his seed as the stars of heaven. of heaven. Just, just saying. <laughs> but, Julius, thanks so much. And, and he's right. Fear can get in the way. And especially because what we're saying here, folks, is our Christianity can start with what and who we are. But it should not end there. It needs, 
and be mature. Right. We need to, and oftentimes we need to develop other things that just don't come easily and naturally to us. Right. So, and for many of us, Christianity is an incredibly emotional experience, and that's good. But folks, that's the beginning. It's not an end. What we need to be able to do, according to the scriptures, and in the second hour, we're really focusing on this. So again, if you're not on in your area, go to ChristianQuestions.net, click the Listen Live button, and stay with us for the second hour. It's such an important thing. What we're saying is that where we start, especially if it's an emotional drawing to Christ, that's good. That's fine. But that's not where it ends. And realize that that peak experience that this psychologist calls these things um, is not just a Christian experience. So just because we have, and and look, this might be disappointing or hard for you to take, but that's why the second hour is so important. Just because we have that kind of experience doesn't sign, seal, and deliver our Christianity. No, it doesn't. It simply can open the door to what our Christianity is supposed to bring to us. Remember, we're supposed to make our lives uh, circled around what Christianity is, not circle Christianity around what our lives are. 2 Timothy 2.15 says to study to show yourself approved to God. We have to feed ourselves. Folks, look, in the second hour, we've got so much more to talk to. We'd love for you to leave your comments on Facebook. Uh, We'd love to hear from you there. You can email us at rick at christianquestions.net and let us know your comments. This is such an important subject because... Christianity is emotional, but it doesn't stop there. It is theoretical, but it doesn't stop there. It is stability-oriented, but it doesn't stop there. And it is full of action, but it doesn't stop there. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we'll be back after the news and all that. Till then, Christianity, what an experience. Think about it. is Christian Questions. Charles Dickens once said, There is a wisdom of the head and a wisdom of the heart. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions. Talk radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience and promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different Perspective And Jonathan, what is that topic for this Sunday morning? Well, Rick, our question is, should Christianity be an emotional experience? And our theme text is found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And interestingly, uh, we're, we're looking at this from the standpoint of an acronym STAR, S-T-A-R, uh, that we got from an individual named Jim Hoyt. I went to a seminar back in the late 90s uh, called Release Your Breaks. I, you know, and I couldn't find anything online about this guy. Oh, so that's too bad. Probably, yeah, because I wanted to, to be able to – a great book and, and great, great material that I would recommend, but I couldn't find anything to recommend to anybody except my own notes on what I had from his seminar. Um, so he's probably uh, out of business at this point. But um, S-T-A-R, Stability, Theory – action and relationship, four different ways of approaching life. And we all have main, 
uh, focuses and then have little bits of, of others. Yeah, and, and somebody like me, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 50-50 stability in action with a, with a larger, ever-growing dose of theory in me. Yeah. But and, relationship can't be found anywhere. <laughs> and with me, it's uh, re- action number one, relationship number two. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, action being very action-oriented tends to get you in trouble. Yes, it does. But it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and And the idea is understanding that people approach their lives differently and therefore to be able to understand them if you can understand where they're coming from you can find a way to relate to them but we all need to take our approach and modify it according to what Christianity demands of each of us. That's right. So, folks, again, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And, Rick, we also talked about God's... Um Four qualities, uh, justice, wisdom, power, and love. How they fit those four uh, pieces it, of the acronym. It's so amazing. It is. It and, does. And as a matter of fact, we're going to get into some more really fascinating things in terms of how the, how, how the gospel is written. I mean, okay, who's the gospel written for? Oh, that, that is good. That'll be coming up in a moment. Let's go back to Valerie Tarico. She is a psychologist, and she's talking about the born-again experience. In the sound bites, uh, in the first hour, she was talking about examples. We only listened to one, but examples of people that have this born-again type of experience. And, and then she says, in the last soundbite we heard from her in the, in the first hour, she said it comes as a shock to Christians to realize that, all, that, that many cultures can have that same exact kind of experience that has nothing to do with Christianity. So now let's listen to where she brings it now. How can a Mooney, an encounter group participant, and Christians sound so much the same? Because the born-again experience doesn't require a specific set of beliefs. It requires a specific social-emotional process, and the dogmas or explanations are secondary. Conversion is a process that begins with social influence. As sociologists like to say, our sense of reality is socially constructed. That can almost be shocking. The Moonies have the same experience. She, she, they, they wow. interviewed all of these different kinds of people with these, these, these dramatic emotional experiences and found dramatic similarities. You had it from the, the Mooney perspective. You had it from the Christian perspective. You mm. had somebody from an encounter group have the same kind of experience. Wow. And what they're saying is psychologically, this is, it doesn't require a specific set of beliefs to have that experience. It requires a specific social-emotional process. Well, Rick, what about the response? But I've been saved. That's all I need. Well, and you know what you've been saved. That's all you start with. <laughs> that's just the beginning. Re- transform your lives by the renewing of your mind. Romans twelve two. We talked about in the first hour. Right. It is you have to develop that. It's that's not where Christianity stops. It's where it starts. That's only the beginning. And if you think you're at the finish line when you're at the starting line. You're going to be disappointed. And, and, and Jonathan, I, I almost feel bad because it's like, you know, we might be popping a, a lot of bubbles here this morning. But this is a scripturally understood way of looking at things. So, Jonathan, real quick, um, how about the way the gospel is written? Like now, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Now, isn't it interesting that there's four different gospels? It is. I, I mean, can't make this stuff up. So what do you got, Rick? Well, I think, and after this, Jonathan, I want to get uh, Trisha in here to have her, after we do the, the gospels, have her tell us, you know, how she thinks she operates, because we're, we're all sort of bearing our souls to the listening audience here. The gospels, Matthew is a theory-based gospel. 
See, it's written to give many Old Testament proofs of Jesus' Messiahship. Right. It's always that the scripture will be fulfilled this and that. Much of the book is chronological and focuses on Jesus as the king of the coming kingdom. But it's always going back to, to Old Testament prophecy. Gotcha. So it's built for the theory-oriented thinker. How about Mark? Mark is built for the action-oriented thinker. You notice it's the shortest book? Yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> okay, that's the first clue. The second clue is it focused on Jesus and his miracles and what he did. And so it focuses on the things that he did because that action-oriented person can relate to the things that he did. And it goes through things graphically uh, at a rapid pace so you don't get bored because action-oriented people get bored easily. Yes, they do. Well, how about Luke? Luke is for the stability-oriented person because at the beginning of the book it says, this has been written chronologically. Ducks in a row. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it records many parables, not elsewhere recorded, and focuses on Jesus' prayer life more than the other Gospels. So it's a very organized approach. So it's, it's fascinating how the Gospels come at the story of Jesus' life from so many different perspectives. And, and then, John. Well, you know which one John is. Relationship. Because John is about the heart of Jesus. It's written with this compassion. So those who read will believe that Jesus was the Son of God. John focuses on the human touch. So the four Gospels, Jonathan, written from four different perspectives, and interestingly, they fit the S-T-A-R acronym to a T. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. And the point is, the Gospel is there for all of us. All we need to do, though, is find where we're starting from and then learn to develop. So we have our, uh, our, our call screener and my dear wife, Trish, here in the studio. And we're asking everybody, Trish, you know, what makes you tick? So what are you? What makes you go here? Hello. Hello. Um, well, let's see. In reading this, I would say I am mostly stability. That would be the first half. And that's, then I'd say the true. second half, I'd be broken up between theory and relationships. Uh, there's very little action in my life, though I do like beauty and freedom. So that's why I married you, because <laughs> I, you just take off and I hold on. That's just basically <laughs> how we do it, you know? So I learn how to be more um, action-oriented by... Um, holding on to you so that's a great a great thing so i like this um these things because it really helps you understand why you think the way you think and where your strengths and weaknesses are so that you can be more balanced as a christian so it's great and thank you hon very well done and and that and that's the key is is learning how to balance ourselves it's not saying okay what i am is not good no what you are is good it's a great place to start what can you become? See, that's the whole point of Christianity is what can you become? Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And if you have more to say after the program, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box 1837, New London, Connecticut, 06320. Okay. <clears throat> and again, ChristianQuestions.net, ChristianQuestions.com is the place you find Seek Your Rewind. You sign up for the full edition. It's a free service. There is a lot of extra detail in there that helps to round out this whole discussion. It is free. It's there for the offering because we want you to have as many resources as you possibly can to help get the point so our Christianity collectively can be more in line with what the requirements of Christianity are. 
It, it, it's really that simple. See, that's a stability-oriented person. Yeah. You've got the guidelines. Let's line people up <laughs> and help them achieve the guidelines. And the action-oriented part of me says, just do it, will you? Come on. What are you waiting for? Um, let's go back to uh, Greg Brandon. Uh, he's, uh, this was a YouTube segment on the science of miracles. And he's thought, talking about thought plus emotion is what makes a feeling. And it, it's interesting because we're trying to put all this together and say, okay, how do we take the emotionalism of Christianity and put it where it belongs? Because the emotionalism of Christianity is not the end result. No, it's the beginning. And it's a part, and it's an important part. But there is so much more. Let's listen to this. You can think of it as a power. If you know people live strictly in their emotions, uh, you know that sometimes their lives can be a little chaotic. Well, the emotions need to be focused, and this is where the power of thought or logic come in, and it's associated with the upper energy centers of the body. Thought is what gives focus or direction to the emotions. In other words, we have a thought about something. Uh, We have a thought about uh, a cloudy day outside. And that thought, into that thought, we pump, we fuel the power of the, the emotion, either our love of that rainy day or our fear of what that rainy day may bring to us. And by doing so, when we marry the power of emotion with the direction of the thought, by virtue of that, we create a feeling. So feeling, by definition, is the union of emotion and the thought. So some very fascinating things there, Jonathan. One line that he said really jumped out at me. It says, thought is what gives focus or direction to the emotions. And again, what we're saying is, as we look at Christianity and our approach to Christianity, let's make sure that it has both of those things. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15, just read the last, the last portion of verse 15. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. See, grow up, first of all, grow up. Uh-huh, sure. Right, and then into all aspects. So in other words, grow up in a well-rounded sense. So it's not just going with what you already are, it's developing... All of the other pieces. And, and sometimes you, we've heard the scripture about being tossed to and fro with, by every wind of doctrine. Yes. See, what that is, is that's heart without head. Good point. Because you're attached, but you're just going with what feels right. And there's no sensibility to it. There's no head that's behind the heart. You need an anchor. Exactly, and that's and, and and you know the head can be boring to you if you're if you're a relationship oriented person, mm-hmm. but it is so important because the scriptures tell us you have to have all of those pieces together. Uh, Jonathan, another interesting. We won't read the scriptures, but again, CQ Rewind uh, will have the scriptures for you. Only 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 available at ChristianQuestions.net. When Jesus, remember when Jesus was baptized, the first thing he did was what? Went into the wilderness. And to to fast and to pray. Mm -hmm. And he's there for 40 days. And who shows up? Satan. Right. Because he's weak. Jesus is now weak. And so he tempts him. And remember, there were three basic temptations. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that those three temptations absolutely covered these four characteristic approaches of humanity toward God. That's interesting. You know, man, it, first of all, the first temptation, you know, make the, uh, bread into stones into bread. Mm-hmm. And Jesus' response, right at verse 4 of Matthew 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is written. Theory. Right. <laughs> you, you, you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Stability, you, you, too. Right. You have to know it and understand it and absorb it. The second temptation. Is. Um, it is written. It is Let's see. Next paragraph down at the, at the end. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Yes. Okay, action. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. There's an action. And again, he's going back to it is written. And the third temptation, 
Get um, thee hence, uh, no, it's the, all these, if that will fall down and worship me. Right, and then he says, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. In other words, only have a relationship with God, nobody else. Have that relationship is what drives you. So even Jesus, in his temptations in the wilderness. Well, Satan was trying to hit him from all angles. Exactly. And exactly. if you're weak in one, maybe he'll get you. Exactly. And that's why we need to be aware of them so that we can make sure that we're driving ourselves in the right direction. Christianity is a well-rounded experience. And if we just feel it, it's not going to be transformational the way we want it to be. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should Christianity be an emotional experience? Coming up, the heart versus the head. There's so many scriptures about the heart. Does that mean it's the most important? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should Christianity be an emotional experience? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we go through this, we've been talking about so many of us, and Christianity in a lot of ways has become a a calling of the heart. Yes, yes it has. And and so many of us are in that situation, and what we're saying is, okay, look, that's okay, that's good, but that's not the whole story. There is so much more to it than just that. But yet, there are so many scriptures that say the heart is like the center of everything. You're right. Let's look at a few. Proverbs 4, 23 to 27. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. I mean, there you have it. (laughs) From your heart flows the springs of life. I mean, everything comes from your heart. So it's really saying this is the centerpiece. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put devious speech far from you. Let your eyes look differently ahead. And let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. Do not turn to the right nor to the left. Turn your foot from evil. So there's other aspects to that particular scripture, but it starts with, and it's based on the idea that watch over your heart with all diligence, because from it flow the springs of your life. Now, again, it's the heart that's so important. Now, with that, let's let's diverge for a second. Fred, uh, you got your microphone on? How are you, Fred? Yep, I'm doing well. All right, Fred. So you, we, you've been listening to this, and you've heard all of our, our, our rantings about who's what. You, the guy behind the board, what are you primarily in, in this S-T-A-R acronym? Uh, primarily uh, T, I believe. Uh, that's no surprise for the guy behind the board. <laughs> Theory. <laughs> okay, and, and what would you say is second? Uh, S. Okay, so theory and stability. Yep. All right. What would you say uh, you think is is uh, last? Uh, last would probably be uh, uh, I don't know between A and an R. It's probably a tie. <laughs> so you really are very much theory and stability oriented, and very much not action and relationship oriented. Correct. Uh oh, <laughs> Fred. <clears throat> we must be missing <laughs> because I'm I'm A and R, and you're 
you're TNS, so I apologize in advance <laughs> for me, right. me not communicating <laughs> well with you. But, but, <laughs> but, you know, this is, Jonathan, this is why, thanks, Fred, uh, for that, uh, that, that insight into your, your personality. Uh, this is why you need all of the different types, because if you've listened to all the things that each of us have said, we're all very different. We are. But you put us all together in, with the opportunity to put on Christian questions, and it works. Wow. Because we all do our part. We all find what we can do, and then we do our parts, and the job gets done. So and that's why it's so valuable to know because, you know, we keep saying you've got to develop other things. You also have to develop relationships, as much as hard as it is for me, <laughs> with those who are different than you so you can, we can draw together to become stronger in our Christianity together. Folks, if you, ha- I'm sorry. If, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now and our website christianquestions.net okay jonathan again the heart is a focus of the scriptures now let's look at the heart gone bad in romans 1 21 to 25 for even though they knew god they did not honor him as god or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened see there you go because the foolish heart was darkened what happens next uh, uh, few verses professing to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible god for an image in the form of corruptible men and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures so because the heart of man was darkened they became idolaters and began worshiping ungodly things instead of worshiping god why because the foolish heart was darkened. So what did God do? Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. So again, so God gives us as humans over to the desires of our hearts. And you know, we end up with what we end up with. God doesn't control what we think and what we do and how we feel. He allows us to have those things. And again, it's the heart that steered us wrong here. Wow. So the heart is the centerpiece. Because it can be deceived. <laughs> is <laughs> well, that it? Well, here's the thing. Why is the heart... Um, the, 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 the centerpiece and, and why, what do we have to be watching out for? You know, it is weaker. The heart is weaker than the mind in its substance. Oh, okay. But it is more powerful than the mind. In its influence. Absolutely. Okay. So it's weaker than the mind in its substance, but more powerful than the mind in its influence. And so, therefore, you have to have both working together to go any place of significance. Okay. Because if you rely just on your heart you're going to miss out. If you rely just on your head, you're going to miss out. If you rely on both, that's where the Christian experience can really, truly develop. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. The conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.com. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also, interact with us on our Facebook and our always updated blog. Okay. Uh, again, ChristianQuestions.com. You want to go there. You want. It's a great, great website. It's newly renovated. Great, great, great opportunities there to, to just you know, fascinating things to look and see and learn and um, 
And also, don't forget CQ Rewind. You want to sign up for that. It's a free service, and you can only get it. The only place in the whole world you can get it. ChristianQuestions.com. That's it. It's the only place in the world. Let's go back to Valerie Tarico. This psychologist is talking about the born-again type experience, and uh, the and she's saying, okay, here's what makes it work. It's not necess- It's not a belief system that makes the born-again experience work. Worth work. It's a social, emotional experience that makes it work. Let's listen to how she describes that. Because of the positive energy created by the group potential converts become unwitting participants in the influence process, actively seeking to make the group's ideas fit their own life history and knowledge. Factors that can strengthen the effect include sleep deprivation or isolation from a person's normal social environment. One example would be a late-night campfire gathering with an inspirational storyteller and altar call at Child Evangelism's Camp Good News. These powerful social experiences culminate in conversion, a peak experience in which new converts feel a flood of relief. That's powerful stuff. And, and again, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't reflect on Christianity very nicely, does it? No, it doesn't. But here's the thing, Jonathan. Am I saying, are we saying that, look, you know, you shouldn't have these emotional experiences? No, we're not. What we're saying is these are simply a part of a much bigger, much more comprehensive picture of what Christianity is. And if all you do is seek after the emotionalism, you are not seeking after Christianity. What you're finding is a social-emotional experience. And that's not what Christianity is. That's right. It is so much more than that. You know, the heart is rightly protected uh, and exercised in, in a lot of different ways. And the first way that we can do that is to understand that to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And Jesus forewarned us in John chapter 14, 25 to 29. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said, uh, go, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me and you have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I, now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens you may believe. So Jesus is preparing for his death, his own death, and yet he's preparing his followers for his death uh, with as much uh, fortitude. And he's saying, look, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. I have got some things I have to do that are going to be hard for you. But I'm telling you ahead of time so your heart can stay focused. So he's saying, I'm filling your mind with the information that you need to protect your heart. Good. Very good. That's what Christianity truly is. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. We have 1 Corinthians 14, 15. So what is to be done? I will pray with the Spirit, but I will also pray with the mind. Emotions are not who we are. Emotions are something we have. Christianity frees us from a tyranny of emotion or the intellect by reminding us that both serve God. 1 Corinthians 14.4 Whoever speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but whoever prophesies builds up the church. There is no emotion so low or so high that Christ is not greater than. All culminates in him. 
Emotion is the tender that burns in the fire of our life in Christ. Romans 14, 7, 8. None of us lives for oneself, and no one dies for oneself. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Randall, great thoughts. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. And, and no emotion is so great that it is greater than what God has uh, to, to offer us through, through Christ. And it just, it just puts things in perspective. It's the bringing together of both of those things. So again, while we're being hard, if you will, on the, and you can tell that I'm not a relationship-oriented person here again, on, on the emotional aspect of Christianity. Right. And the reason we're being hard on that aspect of it is because too often, too many of us get lost in just that. You're right. And that's not what Christianity is. It is not merely a social, emotional experience. It is a transforming by the renewing of your mind experience. And again, uh, Randall, thanks so much for those, uh, those thoughts on the heart and, and the mind working together. So, so, Jonathan, how do we rightly exercise our heart and how do we rightly protect our heart? Well, Jesus forewarned and forearmed us. Also, we have promises of spiritual care and protection that can help to, to bolster our heart. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen is one of those, I, I love this promise. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. So the scripture tells us that we are going to have temptations and difficulties and trials and so forth, and we will be able to endure it if we have our faith in the right place. And you know, Jonathan, that's why the theme scripture, just read the theme scripture again, because we haven't really focused on it, but it says something profound. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Both. You can't be well-rounded as a Christian without both. So to rightly protect and exercise our heart, we have to be forewarned, and that way we can be forearmed. We have to cling to the promises of spiritual care and protection. And remember, the heart is the centerpiece. It is weaker in substance, but it is more powerful in influence than the mind. Right. So we need to realize that the heart is. It, it's like when when you know the, we were talking about sales and all of that. Yes. And there's a there's a when you're trying to get somebody to buy something, there's what they call the puppy dog clothes. Okay. And all you do, you know, you the person's looking for a pet, and you say, here, hold the little puppy, and you know they're going to take that puppy home. Oh. Because once oh, they isn't it so right, sweet. once they're licking your face and all that <laughs> stuff, and it once you you experience something you're in. It's not necessarily what you think about it. It's how you feel about it. That's how how potent the heart is. Last point on this, Jonathan, here, in terms of our heart rightly protected and rightly exercised. And before this point, folks, again, if you have a thought, it's 9... No, no, no. 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. And that means we're on right now. Last point, Jonathan... Prayers, power verified through understanding. And it's through understanding, not through how you feel, but it's through understanding. Hebrews 4, and just read uh, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So this is using logical thinking reason 
saying that, okay, because we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold fast to what we have confessed. So this is an intellectual exercise. Yes, and then it, it goes on to say, therefore, we can draw confidence and go to the throne of grace to find grace and help in, in every time of need. So it's because you have that intellectual stability about why you believe what you believe that your heart can be protected through the power of prayer. So you can see that the idea of this whole thing is the heart is the centerpiece, but the head has to be there to, to support it and give it strength. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, Should Christianity Be an Emotional Experience? Now that we know both the head and the heart are important, how do you make them really work together? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, should Christianity be an emotional experience? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, as we begin to wrap up this program and our discussion here, uh, we're looking at the STAR acronym, Stability Action um, uh, ST, no, st- I can't Stability, even spell. <laughs> theory, action, and relationship, right? It's the action part of me ran ahead of my, my brain. <laughs> and, and, Been and, there, done that. <laughs> and and we're, we're getting a sense of how it all is supposed to work together uh, in terms of our, our experiences. Uh, Jonathan, before we get to our next soundbite, why don't we go to the phones first? All right. Well, we have Keith from Tennessee. Good morning, Keith, and welcome to Christian Questions. Well, good morning. Uh, I want to talk about the role of music in, in the church uh, uh, but let me say thanks to Jesus. Death is when death I will be no more, and I won't get into Revelation 9, 18, 10, 10, etc. But uh, uh, both liturgical and non-liturgical churches um, generally rely on music to, to stir the emotions, particularly the Pentecostals. I, I've attended virtually every type of church, uh, Christian church there is. And, uh, the, of course, the, um, the uh, liturgical churches rely on on the liturgy and communion, you know, to, to, to inculcate the gospel through basically rote, repeating the Nicene Creed, uh, Apostles' Creed, Confession of Sins, etc. Uh, uh, but they often have a choir uh, and an organ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then the uh, Methodist, the uh, Subs of Christ, Baptists, etc., often have um, a piano and, and sometimes a choir um, to... Um, you know, stir the Holy Spirit. And, of course, uh, the Pentecostal churches uh, rely on music greatly to, to inculcate the gospel. Uh, the, the Baptists and so on rely generally on sermons. But uh, it would be nice to find a church that combines all of them. But uh, a friend of mine, was his dad was a Pentecostal preacher, and um, I attended his church, and he, he played trombone. But I have never felt the power of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, so powerfully as I did in the first uh, service I attended there. The, the church was 60% white, 40% black. It practically knocked me over. And, uh, you know, I've been to churches, you know, basically liturgical churches and the Baptists uh, mainly before. But um, I'll tell you, I recently listened to a, or watched a video of like 15 Christmas services with choirs, and you can actually feel uh, to 
to a greater or lesser extent the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, Keith, I, we need to we need to wrap this up there, brother. Okay, um, I think church, you know, on my own radio pro- program and, and yours, which are, are intellectual programs, basically, my, mine's um, you know entitled "Human Ethan Christopher God Exists." Um, you know, I I think that uh, um, you know we we basically rely on logic, but uh, Christian music is so vastly superior to all, all of the religious music that uh, I think churches should, if they can, use it to, to stir the Holy Spirit. All right, Keith. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless. Take care. He brings up a very, very important point. Music does play a major role in a lot of places. Now, obviously, when you look at it, listen to Christian questions, you're not going to hear a lot of music. No. Uh, occasionally, in a few weeks, you will, uh, when we get to the Resurrection Sunday program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and typically, we do that. Absolutely much more to stir the heart. Yes. But we are trying to, 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 to stir up your minds to think spiritually and then take that basis of spiritual thinking and apply it to your heart. That's what we're after here. Yes. So good observations by Keith there. We appreciate it very much. Uh, Jonathan, let's go now quickly to this um, one last soundbite from Valerie Tarico uh, about what is the born-again experience. And she's now talking about the potential dark side of it. And something, again, folks, we're, we're, we're bringing these things out because these are things we need to be aware of and be careful of. Sensory deprivation, fasting, meditation, rhythmic drumming, or crowd dynamics have all been used systematically to elicit altered states in normal people. Since we humans are meaning-makers to the core, such a powerful experience demands an explanation. But for most of human history, naturalistic explanations simply were unavailable. Down through the ages, people have looked beyond this natural world to explain the inexplicable. These phenomena have been interpreted as gifts, revelations, and personal communication from supernatural beings. And so what she's saying is, again, it's a social, uh, emotional experience, and there is a natural explanation for a lot of the feelings that we end up getting. But be careful. Be careful. Now, look, we're not saying don't get involved in the emotional part of Christianity. We're not saying that at all. But what we are saying is make sure that it is properly balanced with the other half that is there to protect the emotional part. Because the higher and lower you go emotionally the more likely you are to be destroyed by the adversary. Good point. And you need to have both together. So what are the secrets that, that, that are there to make all of these things work together? Jonathan, there's several points we want to try to get to uh, in this segment here. Um, first one, what is the quality of our words? Psalm 52.4. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue. Okay, so the quality of our words is an important thing. And then the deep emotional source of our words, Luke 6.45. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. So one of the things we look at is we, we look at the... Uh, the ability, I'm, I'm sorry, I cut you off before the end of the verse, and that's like the important part. <laughs> For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. And that's the point. Our mouth does speak from that which fills our heart. So, so what are you filling your heart with? Right. What is the source that you are filling your heart with? If it's just emotionalism, then you are running on a dangerous area. It's a dangerous track to be running on when you're working and 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 and, and 
flying on, on just emotionalism. And Jonathan, before we get to the next one, we were talking earlier, we talked off the air, this is a, this is a, a great uh, point about this STAR, uh, stability, uh, action, um, st- stability theory, <laughs> action and, respo- and relationships. And relationships. Yep. Um, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, when you were talking earlier in the program about the New Testament, uh, you were using the Gospels, Matthew, right. Mark, Luke, and John. But when I thought of it, I thought of Peter, James, and John, and then also Paul. Because these were the ones that Jesus had the greatest relationship with, right. that he he gained energy and strength from them, because he always had them with them, him at important times. So you were looking at their names, and you're saying, "Oh, wait a minute here." Yeah, well, let's put it let's put it together. First of all, Peter, James, and John. You had those three. Peter, obviously, jump out of the boat before you think. Right, he's, he's the action guy. <laughs> and let's go to John. Obviously, relationship is the relationship right. guy. Yes. James, he was the apostle that stayed in Jerusalem, kept everything in order. Stability. He's the stability guy. But what about Paul? Well, Paul, he came along afterwards, and again, after the gift of the Spirit was given and the gift of enlightened understanding, Mm -hmm. and the apostle Paul was the one that took that enlightened understanding and preached it and wrote it and, and opened it up. Theory. Absolutely. He was a lawyer. Yeah. So you have... Those four basic traits. Now, each of those apostles obviously had the other traits, but that was in our we the, look the at biggest that. Focus. That's the leading the yeah. leading trait, and it fits so well that the gospel is meant for all of us. Yes, we should have Peters out there jumping out of the boat before they think. You need Peters to jump out of the boat before they think. You need the Jameses that are saying, "Peter, what the what <laughs> doing? <laughs> Yet, don't you understand the consequences of your actions? And, 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 you, and you need the the, the Johns that are." That are are the, are the ones that are so focused on the compassion uh, and, and the weight of the compassion of Jesus, and then you need the Apostle Pauls who are there to help us understand it all. You need all of it. That's the key, folks. If you have a thought, now would be the time. Eight six six nine eight five four two five five toll free. Eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine, and that means we're on right now. While studying the Bible and talking about today's Christian topics, go to ChristianQuestions.com for audio, video, CQ Rewind, and other free resources that no one else has on the planet. All programs are recorded and archived online. Check them out, ChristianQuestions.com. So as we go through our, our Christian experience, yes, you want to feel. And emotion is good and it has its place. And remember, the heart is the centerpiece Yes. because it has greatest influence. It does. But, but, but the head has the greater stability. And without the head, the heart will, will, will wander. And Satan will take advantage Absolutely. of the emotion. So, so. That brings us to another one of the secrets of, of dealing with all this. What's the basis of our prayers? Uh, are they a balance of both head and heart? And, and we've got Matthew 6, 5 through 8. Let's just, just in the interest of time, just read verse uh, 7. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. And it's interesting because Keith in his comment was talking about sometimes there we, we have an approach of lots and lots of uh, reading and repeating, reading yes. and repeating, yeah. reading and repeating. And what that is, that's a symptom of the head without the heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's just... It, it's just it's just the, the the intellectual side without the meaning side, and Jesus is telling us that you when you pray it should be I mean he says go into your inner room close your door and pray it should be an emotional experience yes but it also has to be an intellectual connection an intellectual un- experience based on the understanding of why look why is it that you love God is it because you feel saved that's a good place to start. 
But that's really actually a babe in Christ. Why is it that you love God? Because you understand his plan, you understand his purposes, you see the big picture, you see that he is in control of the universe, and you honor and praise him for those things. There's so much more to it than just, it's all about me. See, the heart can really end up being it's only, only about me. And yeah. that's the way a little kid is, mm-hmm. where they mm-hmm. start. And you're not, you're not supposed to lose that, but you're supposed to expand that yes. to, to encompass the rest of the world. So... Do we follow someone because of what they say or because of how they say it? Again, a head versus heart thing. Let's look at Colossians 2, 1 through 4. And this is another one of those verses about making making them work together. For I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those in uh, Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. So I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love, and I want you to understand the knowledge of God's mystery. Combination. You have to put the two together. Uh, another, another one of the points of making them work. Do we adhere to a teaching because it's what we desire to hear or because it rings true regardless of how we feel about it? Ooh, and this is a hard one. Tough. But, but it's an important one. Second Timothy two fourteen to 16. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. So this scripture, Jonathan, is really focusing us on accurately handling the word of truth. So it's not saying take the word of truth and make it pliable to how you feel. No. It's make yourself pliable to what the word of truth is telling you to do and to be. Look at the context. Look at the words. Find the definitions of those. Dig in. Make sure you're getting what it's saying. And then you can uh, sort of unleash your heart once you see it yes. a- as it opens up. And it takes time. It's, it's a struggle to, to dig in. And, and you know, I, I learn something new every single, every single day, every single week that we prepare for the program. I'm something new about how, how the word actually congeals together. One, uh, two other secrets, Jonathan, as we wrap this up. You've got to try the spirits. First John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Test the spirits to see whether you like them or not. It's not what it says. No. So don't test the spirits because, you know, it's not according to what you feel. Test them to see if they are from God. Mm-hmm. Test the influences that surround you. Is it a godly influence? How do you know? You know because you can test it uh, by, by scriptural understanding. And finally, Jonathan, last scripture, the God of justice, wisdom, power, and love searches our hearts and he tests our minds. This is a great scripture, Jeremiah seventeen nine and 10. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick who can understand it i the lord search the heart i test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways according to the results of his deeds so god searches our hearts and he tests our minds which means folks if your heart and your mind are not both engaged in your christianity you are not 
following through on what Christianity requires of you. Yes, Christianity requires of us. We are here to be pliable to Christianity, not the other way around. Make sure that whatever you are, whether you are a stability-oriented person, a theory-oriented person, an action or a relationship-oriented person, that you use your head and your heart and that you find the gospel for what it is and then wrap your heart around it and then run with it with all of your energy to fulfill it uh, through Jesus Christ. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We've truly enjoyed being with you this week. We'll be again back next week with another subject. But till then, should Christianity be an emotional experience? Think about it.